the other day, and Ken is, was at that point was still in intensive care. I don't know if he still is, but he had uh, he had blood clots. I don't know if on his leg. I think on his on his lungs, and uh, and he had COVID for the second time in a month. So they're doing the procedure tomorrow to break up the lungs. Break them up. Okay. He's in the cardiac unit this weekend. Okay. Do the procedure tomorrow, then he'll go back to the ICU. All right. Okay. So. Ken and Luella used to worship here. They moved to New Mexico to be around their, to be close to their children. So, uh, you know, she still watches us. And in fact, she she watches us every Sunday morning. She watches us still. So, uh, you know, but anyway, uh, just be praying for them, uh, praying for those two, if you don't mind. Uh, I don't have anything else. Uh, we're going to get started. It's good to see everybody here. It's good to have all of you. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 2. You want to turn over there or get rolling there and uh and now let's uh let's pray and we'll get started okay father in heaven we uh we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together as a family we pray your blessings upon us as we worship together this morning we pray for james as he as he breaks open the bread of life to us I pray father that you would give him a recollection of all the things that he studied and present them in a way that we can understand and, and we can learn and grow. And Father, this morning as we study, I pray that you open our hearts, that you give us uh, open and receptive hearts to hear the truth this morning, and then give us the courage, Father, to apply these things to our lives. Help us. To, we, we ask, Father, with your help, that we will be the very best we can be. We pray, Father, that you would guide us and shape us and, uh, and be patient with us as we strive, Father, to apply these principles to our lives. Thank you for the opportunity, to, again, to be here. Thank you for all that, that these folks mean to each other and mean to me. And I pray your blessings upon each and every one of them. We pray, Father, especially this morning for Alan uh, as he uh, struggles with his health. And we pray also for Ken and Llewellyn who, are, who have moved on but are still part of this family. We pray your blessings upon them as well. And we thank you for them and for what they've meant to this place. Father, again, thank you as we study, thank you as we worship, and thank you, Father, as we fellowship this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Second Timothy is, and I, for those of you who haven't been in here in a while, or haven't been here, here at all, uh, the, letter, the letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy, is more than likely, as near as we can tell, the last letter that Paul writes. He's in jail in Rome, and he knows that he's going to, and he is going to be killed. He knows that. And, and, uh, he is, he is in jail and in chains for one reason, okay? The reason he's in jail is because he taught the truth. That's what he's in jail for. He's not in jail because he, he did, held somebody up or anything. He's in jail because he taught the truth. That's what he's in jail for, okay? And this letter is an appeal to Timothy, in a, in, in a big sense, an appeal to Timothy that that you, uh, uh, well, I'm re you know, Paul tells us in the first and second letter that he is convinced, especially in the second letter, he is convinced that what he's been doing is the truth, that what he's been teaching is the truth. And I asked you a couple of weeks ago for you to think about it, how many of you are absolutely, totally, 150% convinced that what you're doing is the truth, that, that following Christ is the absolute what you need to be doing, and that, that you are all in. He's going he's gonna to appeal to this young preacher. He said, I know that, that the saving power of Jesus, being obedient to him, him, that was true then, and it is true today. Same, the same principle is true today. He could write the same thing to us. He's going to appeal to 
men that have good reputation and are, and are the kind of men that will carry this on. You know, Paul's, Paul's mindset is to carry on the mission of the church. The mission of the church from day one, day one, is going all over and preach the gospel. Is that not true? We know, we know in a couple of places, Mark says it and Matthew says it. Our job is to go and keep the truth. The, 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 the church's job was to declare the, the wisdom of God, which was he's going to save both Jews and Gentiles. That was the promise to Abraham from the very beginning, that through his seed all nations are going to be blessed, and we have, have, have the opportunity to experience that today. If you, if you cannot look in a mirror and say, I believe that you, if you die today, are going to go to heaven, you've got a problem. You've got a problem. Okay? If you can't say 100% sure, I know that I'm going to go to heaven if I die today. Paul, I mean, John writes in John chapter 5, I believe, and 1 John chapter 5, he writes that I write these things to you that you might know that you have eternal life. Eternal life comes only one way. I know there's a lot of nonsense out there. I just listened to one for an hour and a half the other day. Some people critique a sermon. I'm not going to get into what it was about. It, it meant something to me, so that's why I watched it. And I was I was amazed at, at, at how easy it is for people to get online and teach garbage. I mean absolute garbage. They don't have anything to do with the book. But because the person's well-known, because he has a, a great name recognition, people will, will believe him. Okay, and believe a lie that he, that he per perpetrates on his people that are listening to him. And, you know, Paul says, he says, I know and I'm convinced that Jesus died, died on the cross. He resurrected on the third day and he ascended to heaven and he's coming back. That's the essence of it. That's the gospel. Okay, that, you don't have to get complicated. The gospel is Jesus died on the cross. The gospel includes all of what happened before. Because everything that was there, everything you read in the Old Testament, you want to know what the Old Testament's about? You want to know what it's about? It's about bringing Jesus to here, to, on the scene. That's what it's about. The whole thing is about one thing. It's bringing Jesus on the scene. It's that simple. There's a lot in there, I agree. There's a lot a lot of twists and turns and all that stuff, but everything was one, had one focus, and that's to bring Jesus on the scene. Because Jesus is the only answer you have. He is the only hope you have. Paul knew that. He was convinced, and he was willing to rot in jail and, and to allow them to kill him. He said, I'm not going to renounce Jesus. I'm convinced of what I'm, of what I'm doing here. That's why I'm here. And I want us to be convinced. I want us to know enough. And so that's why I encourage you, come September 1st, when we start our Bible reading plan as a church, that you follow that Bible reading plan. The first one is already out. You know, right there, right here on the bottom, right there. Go read what it is, and you can get you can get a, a, an itinerary of what we're going to be reading for the month, and go read the book. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Go read the book, guys. Read it. Find out if what if what Paul's saying, what I'm saying, what other people are saying, find out if it's true or not. Be convinced yourself. And he said, he said, he reminds Timothy, and this is what we looked at last week. He reminds Timothy, I mean Timothy that you are going to have a responsibility to suffer, and I want you to suffer like a soldier does. He said, I also want you to understand that you need to compete, and you need to you need to compete like a soldier. I mean, like an athlete. Obeying the rules. Finding out what the rules are and obeying the rules. And the one I didn't look at, and we didn't get to, was 
and, and I want you to, I want to read this. Look back at chapter 2 and look at verse 6. Verse 6. He said, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop. Reflect on what, on what I am saying for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Okay? How does a farmer work? He said, you work like a farmer. How many of you have ever experienced how a farmer works? Any of you? How do they work? Hard. Well, I know guys are working in a shop that work hard. Yeah, Larry. Sun up to sundown. Sun up to sundown. So I used to go visit my grandparents in Hallettsville. Well, they lived in Moravia, which is you don't know where that is. It's kind of it's kind of uh, halfway between Hallettsville and nowhere else. Okay, there's nothing there except one little store. At least it was there back when I was growing up. And he had a 65 acre farm, and he fed his family, and he had to make a living off of it. 65 acres. Okay. And and you know I'm a teenager. And and I and I go to, to visit him, and I'm going to stop a Paul. I didn't know there was a six o'clock in the morning or a five o'clock. <laughs> I know my clock didn't have one of those. It's did. And if you're there, you're going to work. And we did everything under the sun. I chopped cotton. I cut corn tops. Picked corn. You know, made bundles, made stacks. I don't know. You don't see them anymore. But we used to have these stacks. He made stacks. I knew what was in them because I helped you know, put that stuff in there. And, and, you know, so when you hear, you know, you know, looking for, like looking for a needle in a haystack, I know what a haystack looks like. And I know what happens, how that gets there. You know, we go to, we, we would go to get through in the evening and it's getting dark and we're getting through. And I'm beat. And this man, 60, 70 years old, and he's still going. And then when I read that verse, I think, I think of my grandfather. I think of Eddie, man. I think, you know, how hard he worked for what little he got. He worked hard. And I thought, I wanted to ask you, what do you think it means here when he says the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crop? Now he's talking about, he's talking about you work in the, in the dynamic of spreading the gospel. You work like a soldier, you work like an athlete, and you work like a farmer. Okay? You're going to suffer, you're going to compete, and you're going to work hard in that endeavor. How did how does it how did, would you explain a farmer getting a first fruit or getting a first of the crop in that environment? Yeah, Jim. First of all, the farmer works hard for a long time. He's the first one. He harvests it. He has it right there. He's the first one. Okay. What does it feel like if you've not been there? What does it feel like to uh, to take a project on, somebody on, all right? Someone who's let's say is not not doesn't know Christ at all, and start working with them and teaching them the gospel, going to the jail. Mark, you go to jail now. Y'all y'all go every week, every Friday. You go every other Friday, right? I mean. You know, here, there, it's everybody's. Everybody's a godly individual, and everybody's found Jesus in jail. But I can tell you, when they get out, and you and you watch the growth, and you watch how that flourishes, and you watch what happens because of not because of you, but because of Jesus coming into their lives, because of the Holy Spirit turning them into something else, transforming them. That is amazing. And many times, the person that's directly involved, you know, whether you're involved whatever way, 
first fruits. I have tasted that. When, when you may have not even known what that person was about, I knew because I had sat with them and worked with them. So have many of you. You know what that means. To work hard in an in, in endeavor of not planting corn or cotton, but planting spiritual people, planting the seed of God, the Word of God in somebody's heart and watching it grow and watching it prosper and watching it flourish. And then watching it bear fruit in their family's life, in a guy that doesn't drink anymore, he doesn't go to jail anymore. You know, he's, he's done with all of that. And it wasn't because of you. I told somebody the other day, somebody the other day said, you know, I should have been dead. I should have been dead. Should have killed me. And I said, you know why I didn't? He said, yeah. I said, I'll tell you if you don't, because godly people prayed for you. Godly people got you saved. And he said, he said, I know that. And I said, I want to tell you something else. I said, he didn't, he didn't do it because of you. Because you and I both know you're not a godly man. And he said, I know. He said, I said, he did it because of all the people that did pray for you. And had a had a work in them. And now I'm watching this, that individual start to flourish. I'm watching it grow. I'm watching prosper. I'm watching things happen in his life. It's amazing to watch. That's first fruits. That's what you get, get to experience. If you haven't experienced that, I feel sorry for you, first off. But there's a lot of people involved in that farmer work. Okay? A lot of people. And then, and then Paul, and then he goes on. And, and this is where I want to start. Okay? Look at verse 8. We're going to read verse 8 through verse 13, and then we're going to talk about it. Remember Jesus Christ from the from raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure him, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Let's start verse 8. Because you know how I teach, man. I'm gonna, we're going to cut this thing first at a time. What does it mean? You know, when you hear the word, remember Jesus, raised from the dead, descended or an heir from David, does that mean anything to you? What does it mean to you when you hear that? Yeah, Dave? It means if we forget what the cross means and the blood on it, we're lost. Okay. All right. If we forget what the cross means and the blood on it, we're lost. Like I, like I took the essence of the gospel. Jesus came, Jesus fled, Jesus died, Jesus resurrected, and Jesus ascended to heaven. And one day, he's coming back. That's the essence of it. Everything else revolves around it. All of the gospel narrative revolves around that event. Okay? And the only way you and I can be saved, you can have preachers tell you anything. That, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there's only one way. Paul tells it. He said, I'm convinced of this. You know, this was a this was a a a perpetrator of evil against the church in his early days. What changed him? What changed him? What changed him? What do you think changed him? God, I don't want to hear preachers. What? The one he didn't believe in. He didn't believe in him. Remember, if you go back and trace what happened to him, Paul or Saul was at the at the place where they stoned Stephen to death. He's one of the first deacons. They stoned him to death. He's holding the coats of the people through rocks. He had warrants in his 
be a good job for you. And so, and that starts his walk. That starts his journey. And, and he comes to an understanding that what I was doing was wrong. He gets arrested for it. Not once, twice. They throw him in jail, then let him out, then they throw him in jail again. So, I mean, he, he's, he gets popped in the mouth. He gets beat up. I mean, he said, man, I've been shipwrecked. I've been thrown, had rocks thrown out, did all this stuff. Because he believed in what he was doing. Do you believe that strong in what you're doing? If not, why not? Is it not still true? Is it not still true that Jesus died for you? Is it? Remember Jesus. We have, we have a whole system set up every week that Jesus set up for us to do that very thing. To remember him. That's what the communion is about. When we, take, when we sing songs about communion, we take communion this morning. You know what it's for? For you to pull this verse off. To remember Jesus every Sunday. How do you remember him every week, every day of the week? What do you do every day of the week? Do you, do you just remember? And I don't just remember George on Sunday or on Saturday. You know why? Because she's with me all the time. I remember her all the time. She is the focus of my life all the time. But not my spiritual life. Didn't, doesn't Jesus deserve as much and a prominent place in my life as she does? She can't save me, guys. You understand that? How many people in here know somebody that was close to you that got sick and died? You know? Did, could they save you? The only one that can is Jesus. And he demands for us, he demands us to come in connection with him. That's what he demands. We're going to look at a couple things. Look, he, he said, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Okay? What, what, is, what is it? Uh, I want you to look at Luke chapter 1. All right, good. I want to look at a couple of stuff. Yes, sir. I hate to get off track, but uh, you talk about uh, Timothy's mother and grandmother. Uh -huh. and the if they weren't in his life, he didn't have a relationship with them. Do you think when we be talking about Timothy the way we're talking about him? From a human perspective, probably not. Probably not. Would God have found some other way? Yes. But from a human perspective, I'm looking and I'm saying, I know what the impact was of those two people. In, in his life. Lois and Eunice, his mother and grandmother, were, were the absolute pivotal of leading him to where, and we talked about this, you know, about, and, and we talked about it uh, Friday night. So Bobby he had brought up, Bobby brought up that he had, the, he had the fortune, he was fortunate enough to be raised in a godly home, in a home that, that steered him in the right direction. Not everybody had that, okay? Some of us, like Paul, went off and had to meet Jesus in the far country. Some of you haven't met him yet. You're still looking for him. Maybe today is the day that he pops you in the mouth. Maybe today is the day he smacks you on the side of the head. Maybe today he says, are you going to wake up or what? When are you going to wake up and realize that you can't keep doing what you're doing? You can't keep living like you're living. You cannot keep going this direction. Now I want you to look at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start in uh, verse uh, 32. Jesus being foretold to Mary. Okay? We're going to start in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, but the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Now listen to what he says here. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign 
reigning on the throne of David was a promise made to David said that there were, you will always have a descendant on the throne. From his human perspective, he is a, he is a son, the seed line of David from the tribe of Judah. That's where he comes from. That's his human heritage. Doesn't mean he's not God too. All right? But his human heritage is he's going to reign on the throne. That throne is going to, not going to be a physical throne. It's going to be a spiritual throne. Before he reigned on that throne, before he got, got to that throne, you know where he was? He was here on earth and having to pay the price so that you and I could reign with him. So I need to remember that. If I go back to 2 Timothy and says, uh, you know, I remember Jesus Christ raised the dead, descended from David. Do you believe absolutely that Jesus was raised on the third day? Why? Because I said so. Because Cole said so. Because your mom and daddy said so. Why? Why do you say Why do you believe it? collection of eyewitness accounts and prophetic leads and tests discourse about in a single event we have more we have more documentation physical written documentation than than we do about Plato and Socrates Socrates you know that some of those guys we don't have anything about we just have we just have testimony from them we just have people you know saying what they said this is I would 500 people at one time saw him People don't die for an aberration. They don't die because of somebody, something, something. You tell me Jesus, Jesus died on the cross. Okay, all right. If I'm living in that day, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna die for it unless I'm absolutely convinced. Why would they be so convinced? Why would they die by the thousands? Why would they die? Because they were absolutely convinced. Because they listened to eyewitness accounts. They listened to apostles. They listened to Paul. They listened to these people who saw him, who walked with him. So what does that mean to me? You know? And he said. I believe it by faith. Well, I mean, Mark says, I believe it because there's enough evidence for it. It's easier to believe that than some of the nonsense they're trying to teach our kids in school. I mean, some of that stuff they're trying to teach in school. I know my own son debated with a teacher at one time about something. He said, that is, but no. And, and had, a, had a debate. No, no, we're talking about creation. Yeah, we're talking about creation. Big, big bang foolishness, what he said. I don't know, how old were you? What grade were you in? Uh, he was in high school. He was in high school. He had a debate with a teacher in front of the whole class. Because it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me he would do that. But you know that he was that adamant that he was that convinced already that, that, was, that what they were teaching was garbage. So, you know, why is why am I why do I believe in the, in the resurrection? I believe it. I believe it because of what both these folks said. Because there's enough, there's enough written down account. Eyewitnesses, and I believe it because I believe it. I'm convinced. And I've read the book. And I can connect the dots, okay? You know, I've, I've studied it long enough where I can connect the dots from here to here and know how many years is there. You know, I could I could take a verse, one verse, where where God writes through a man who don't even know nothing, that God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. That one verse. And I say, this guy, whoever's writing it, knows more than I know more than that guy knew. And I've got to listen to what he has to say. Because if he knows that, then i got to listen to what else he has to say. Yeah, David. I believe faith is more important because uh, when he was talking to Thomas, he said, you've seen, but those who haven't are blessed. Yeah, but you know, he also said, faith comes by hearing and 
God. So we have, you know, we, we, we figure out that this is God's word. And then my faith will grow because I read this. Why do you think we want you all to read every day? And, and have a, a program where you, where you have a system where you read every day. Because we know what it can mean. It can change a person's life. And he said, he said, you remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead and descended from David. This is my gospel. That's the true gospel. Jesus Christ died, resurrected, and descended of David. That means all the prophecy from before is all true. If that's true, then everything that was written from the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, from then on, from that point on, everything is, is, is wrapped up in this guy. So now, my question is, what are you going to do to remember him? What are you going to do? What do you think is necessary? I mean, I mean, some of you got, man, you got jobs, man. You, you know, you got to remember all kinds of stuff, right? You got a job, you got to remember all kinds of stuff, right? You got a job, got to remember all kinds of stuff. You know, I built motors my whole life. You know, I still build. Them. And there's things that I do now by instinct, just by instinct. I know what to do, and I know what it's supposed to look. I know what it feels like. But I did it a long time. I spent a lot of time perfecting that craft. Okay? So these guys went to school, did all kinds of stuff to perfect the craft. Right, Paul? So you do that. You may not like what you do, but you do it by instinct because you know what the truth I can listen to some of you guys talking about finances, and you know I'm going to walk out of the room. I'm going to walk out of the room. Because I don't have a clue what they're talking about. I don't know what all that stuff means. I have no clue. But you know what? I think... I think if I'm going to remember something so important to me as to where I'm going to spend eternity, I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to navigate through it. That means I'm not going to just come to church on Sunday or just whenever I feel like it. I'm not going to just come to church whether I feel like it or not on Wednesday. I'm not going to read just because, well, I don't have anything else to do. It's going to be the primary focus of my life every day. Right? But shouldn't it be? If this, if, do you say this is more important than... Yeah. Is it more important than friend, family, yeah. friends, job? Is it more important? None of that stuff can say. No, won't say. Right? Won't help you raise your kids. None of it. You know why I know that? Because they're trying to raise kids out there, and they're making a really poor job of it in a lot of homes. Back. So I'm looking at this and say, I want to remember Jesus and him and him dying on the cross, raising from the dead, and sitting on the throne. I want to reign with him. And I know what he tells me to do to get there. He said, he told me, he said, you have to do this like an athlete. And you have to compete according to what? The rules. You have to live by the rules. You can't make them up as you go. You don't have that prerogative to make them up as you go. You know, there's a lot of rules being thrown around out there that don't matter, that, don't, that aren't nothing, that ain't no biblical at all. And so we have a responsibility to, to Find out what the rules are, what God says to do, and where are we going to find them? Where are we going to find them? What, are you going to find them in the, in the bathroom somewhere? Are you going to find them out in the backyard? Where are you going to find them? I'm going to find them in the book. I guess the first thing I have to do is I have to believe that, that God really wrote this book. He said, we have a premise, we have a, a, a habit in this country to change the rules when they don't fit. And so we bring that into, into theology, 
and say, well, if the rules don't fit, I'll just change them. There's a lot of people doing that out there. We have to decide that I'm going to be, if I'm going to live by the rules, then I'm going to find out what are the rules, what do you require of me? He said, I want you to live a holy life, godly life. We've talked about that already. You know, and he said, he, he, remember, you know, carry on the mission of the church. What's the mission of the church? Find your place, find your talent. We did that all summer long, finding the gift that God has given you and using it to, to, to elevate the mission of the church, right? Now we're supposed to be doing. So when I look at this and I say, remember, remember Jesus Christ, do you just wait till Sunday and take communion to remember him? Is that what you do? Tell me what you do to remember him. Tell me what you do. Somebody that's brave enough to open their mouth. He said, pray, read, and practice what he prayed, what he prays, and what he reads. Okay? Yes, ma'am. You're thankful every day? Offer Thanksgiving. Okay. What, what do you do to remember him? Can't just say it. You have to do it. Okay. Give examples. One of one of the one of your scripture readings for September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd is Psalm 1. You know what Psalm 1 says? The righteous man does what? Meditates on what? We just did it Friday night. What meditates on the law how often? Day and night. Day and, you know how hard it is to meditate on something you don't know anything about? I mean, I don't have any idea what he does. And I, I don't have any idea what he does. You know what I don't do? I don't meditate on what they do. You know why? Because I don't know what they do. I know kind of what they do. I know he works with finances. He works out in the, kind of in the oil field with, on pipeline stuff. I don't have, the, from there, that's it. That's all I know. You're a nurse. I certainly don't know what you do. Because when my wife was needing one, I was lost. I don't know what to do. Call somebody that does. Meditate on what you don't know anything about. Okay? So the first thing to remember him you know, is learning who he is. Learning what he did. Learning how he felt. Learning how he walked. Learning why he's here. And that means you're going to have to start studying. You're going to have to read. So you put stuff in so that you can so that you can connect to that. If you're not doing that, you're not willing to do that, I can't help you guys. I can't help you. I can't help you to, to navigate through something you don't want to know anything about. You don't want to listen to anything he said. He said, remember Jesus died, raised from the dead, and a, and a descendant of David. So, study, read, ponder, pray, ask yourself, you know, when am I going to block out a set of time for, how many of you got, got a job to go to work every day? How many? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay. Do you have a, do you have a, a you have it blocked out? Do you have it blocked I mean, you know, you have a alarm clock? You have alarm clock? You, what, what time do you still be at work, Paul? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Sometimes I show up at 7.15. He said, i got to be at work at 8 o'clock. I show up at 7.15. How far away from work do you work?
don't block out some time in your life to put some real effort into this, it's going to be worse than losing your job. You're going to lose your soul. That's worse. Losing a job is big. But you can get another job. You can't get another eternity. You got a shot at this. That's it. You better get it right. That means you're going to have to do something maybe dramatic and dynamic. Yeah, Larry. Okay, let's let's go there. If you're not living, somebody else said that. You've got to put it into practice. I think Bobby said something like that. Okay, what does that mean? To remember Jesus, what does it mean to live it? What does that mean? What is it going to look like? study every Sunday night. Every Sunday night. Two of them. I have one, and James has one. You know how many people show up for that Bible study? 30, 35. For both Bible studies. There's 59 here. Almost double the amount of people in here tonight, today. You know, now I'm not saying you know, if you're going you're gonna to be lost if you don't show up to the Bible study. I'm not saying that. But is that something you could be doing? I have a Bible study on Friday night. Meets in this room. You know how many people come? How many are in here? 59. You know how many people come? 10. 11. 12. Sometimes 15. If Sue cooks for us, we may have 25. <laughs> hey, that's fine. I, I, will, I will do what Paul says. I'll become all things to all men that I might win some. That's what he said. Hey, I'll do whatever I have to do. If we have to feed you every night, we'll feed you every night if that gets you here. The point is, 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 and I'm not saying that that's what you have to do, but these are opportunities you have that you maybe don't even know about not taking advantage of. You know, there, you know, there, there are people in here with kids that didn't bother to show up at the lake at all. Didn't bother to come up here for the thing. You know, do you think your kids need to be remember Jesus? They, do you think they need to be around good people? They're around, they're, for the most part, they're around people all day long in some of these instances that they shouldn't be around at all. Saying, if I'm going to remember Jesus and I'm going to put him, make him the center point of my life, then I'm going to start doing things that are going to bring me around people who think like I do. I'm going to start doing the things that, that other people are doing that I see that are godly people that are, that are successful spiritually. I'm going to do that. If I have a job that it doesn't allow me to do that, I'm going to quit the job and I'm going to find a job that does allow me to do that. Because my spirituality, my salvation is more important than my job. And if that's not what you can say, if you can't say that, then you're in trouble. Okay? You know, Paul said the gospel was everything. It is so important to him, they can chain me, but they're never going to chain the truth. They're never going to chain God's word. What was he doing? We already know what he did when he got thrown in jail in Philippi. When him and Silas got thrown in jail, what did he do? They got beaten before they put him in stock. Before they beat him, okay? They beat him with whips. Guys died from that. And you know what happened? He got in the stocks, they put him down in the darkest dungeon, and they started singing and praying. 
did run away because they were there to teach and they taught. And Jalen and his whole family were baptized that night. You know, because there was a there was a mission that Paul had that was different than other people. There can be a mission that you have that's different than other people. And they can feed off of you. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Can you say that? Can you say that to the people around you? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Living my life so my children will imitate me as I imitate Christ. If they don't know Christ yet, then they watch me and, and watch me imitate him. And then they imitate that. That's what it means to remember him and make the gospel the forefront of your life. It is more important to me, it's more important to you, more important to us than anything else that, that exists. I don't come over here because I come over here to be with you guys. You understand that? We should come over here to be with each other. I want to fellowship with you because I know that you and I are in the same boat. We're trying the same. We're, we're up against the same enemy the same time every day. And if we don't do this, if you don't do this, you know, you want to know more about this? Hey, you know what you can do? You come on Friday night and I've already told, my class already knows, if I have somebody walk in the door and they want to talk about salvation and baptism and eternity, that's, we'll stop everything we're doing. That's what we'll do. Every single you know, We've baptized numerous people in that class because we were willing to do that. And they're willing to do that. And they're willing to, to support that. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch and be a part of. To watch people that come that I know they're soldiers, athletes, and farmers all at one time in their own way trying to do what they're, what they're doing. So when you look at this, I really didn't believe didn't think that we'd only get through one verse. <laughs> but guys, it's important. It's important. There are people in this room. There are going to be people over there this morning. They're going to die and go to hell. Okay? I don't know who you are. I have no idea who you are. But I know in a room this big, somebody has decided that Jesus is not important enough and living my life for him is not what I need to be doing. What you decide. And if you continue that track until, until the end, you will go to hell. That's just a fact. Okay? So I want you to study. I want you to learn. Hey, I'll sit down with you if that's what you want to do. And we'll navigate it together. And we'll find out what it is that God requires of us so that I can really remember Him every day. I wake up in the morning, the first thing, first thought in my head is what am I going to do for Christ today? What am I going to do today? What, the first thing I have to do is I have to take care of my wife. That's part of it. All right? That's part of it. But I'm going to find out what is it that He calls me. We'll try to do more next week. But guaranteed, 